week four of our series. We've been in a series called Ephesians, where we're just going through the book of Ephesians uh, chapter by chapter, breaking it down. And today we'll be in Ephesians chapter four, Ephesians chapter four. And uh, we're going to get started with that. And if you're taking notes, today's message is entitled, I am called. Y'all say, I am called. I am called. And God has a specific calling for each and every one of your life. Every single person in this room, every person listening under the sound of my voice, you are called by God. And today what we're going to do is I'm going to break down what it means to be called by God. And I'm going to make it super plain, super simple, because I feel at some point or another, all of us may feel, man, I wonder if I'm called by God or not. But you are called. Each and every person is called by God. But I know sometimes people feel like this. They say they automatically equate to being called as being preaching. They say, well, if I'm called by God, that means I'm called to preach. Well, that's not necessarily true because in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, it says, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Now, does he give a prerequisite for that? Does he give a certain group of people for that? He says, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. So God has instructed each and every one of us to preach the good news. So we're all equipped to preach the good news. As soon as you become saved and you believe in Jesus, guess what? You've equipped to be, preach the good news. So God has instructed all of us to preach. But just because you preach doesn't mean that you're called. That's all of our responsibility. You say, well, well, how do I preach? This is how you preach. When Sam is at the workplace and Sam says, man, I'm discouraged. I'm going through a bad time. You say, well, Sam... You know, I was at that point in my life once, once before, but man, I began to seek the Lord in prayer and through scriptures and God turned my situation around. Guess what you just did? You just preached the gospel. So all of us are instructed to preach the gospel, but I, I know a lot of times we hear that I'm called. That means I'm, I'm, I'm called to preach. Not necessarily, but there is a calling on your life that I'm going to break down and I'm going to make it so clear today because I remember there was a point in my life when I felt like, man, when I first got saved, I was like, man, I feel called by God. But before I felt the call of God, many of you, you know my story, that I've, I had aspirations to be a professional baseball player. And my whole life, that's what I wanted to do, and I pursued that, to, to be a professional baseball player. But God had a different plan, amen? And I remember when the Lord told me that baseball wasn't my future, I was at a place where I was stuck. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do, but I remember that after about a year goes by when I stopped playing, that God did something amazing in my life. He put a burden and a passion for the local church in my heart. There was a burden and a passion that began to burn inside of my heart for the local church. And I knew, like, man, I know I feel called by God, but still at that point, I had no idea what that meant. I couldn't explain it to you. I couldn't define it for you. I couldn't put my hands on it. You could tell me what it was, and I would say, I don't know, because I don't really know what God is doing. But the only thing I knew is that God gave me a burden and a passion for the local church. And so you know what I began to do? I started to volunteer. I started setting up church, uh, chairs. Whenever there were events going on, I started setting up chairs. Whenever there was a, an event going on, I volunteered for security. 
I, saw, I found myself doing all the things that I could do to help the church succeed because there was a burden inside of me that said, I want to see this church advance. I want to see this church grow. So whatever they need help with, guess what? I'm going to volunteer to do it. And eventually, after volunteering, that, that the Lord opened the door for me to step into leadership. So I started serving on our youth leadership team, and eventually I began to lead our campus ministry at a, a local university there, a Southern University, where tomorrow and I attended. I was over the, the campus ministry there. And then we began to, I began to grow in ministry and seek the Lord, and tomorrow and I, we, eventually we began to lead a small group in a one-bedroom apartment that at one point we had over 30 people in a one-bedroom apartment. Now, I don't know if y'all know how big a one-bedroom apartment was, but it was like sardines in there. But all I know is my heart was so full of joy and purpose being fulfilled in that one-bedroom apartment with that small group of young adults that we would minister to on a weekly basis. And the Lord was still working in my heart. I still felt the call. I still didn't know what it looked like. So out of the faithfulness of that, when Tamara and I got married, they asked us at one of our campuses, they said, hey, we want you guys to begin to host services. And simply all that means was we, we did the announcements. So whenever there were announcements, we would come on stage, we would do announcements, and they allowed us to do that. And we started teaching classes, like uh, new believers classes, stuff like that. We started doing that. And boy, we were excited. We were being used by God. Oh, this feels good. We're being used by God. And then one day, uh, what the pastor of the campus, he said, well, we're actually starting another campus. And uh, Mario, we want you to to go to that campus, and we want you to be over set up and tear down because it's a mobile campus. And my first thought was, well, what does that mean, set up and tear down? And they began to explain, well, each Sunday, you would have to set up the campus and tear it down. <laughs> it's that simple. I was like, oh, okay. So that's set up and tear down. <laughs> Pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> At first, I was like, man, I don't know if I want to do that. I'm, I'm on stage. I'm giving announcements now, and we're teaching classes. And now I'm supposed to leave here to go to another campus that we're starting and just to set up a teardown? But I said yes, because I knew that I wanted the church to succeed. And for a year, I was doing set up and teardown at that campus, but I would have to wake up at 5.30 every morning. And it started off great, because they would allow us to keep all of our things uh, on the property. But guess what? They became like Pharaoh. They made it difficult for us to serve and to, and to have church in that facility. I'm telling you, it was like Pharaoh where they said, no, we're not going to give y'all bricks. Y'all going to have to make your own bricks. But we want to increase the quota as well. And I'm like, man, what in the world is going on? So a year goes by, and the campus pastor at the time, he transitioned to a promotion where he, uh, he would transition to something else. So that left the campus without a pastor. But the funny thing was the campus pastor at the time, he knew, our pastor knew, but we didn't know. And everybody would come to tomorrow and us like, so what y'all want to do about this and this around it? I was like, man, I don't know. We're not the pastors here. It was like, so we can't make any decisions, so why are y'all asking us? And I remember one Sunday, tomorrow looked at me and she said, what if they ask us to be the pastors of this campus? I said, I'm not doing that. I don't want to do that. But guess what? About a week later, guess what they did? They asked us to be the campus pastors over that campus. And guess what? That opened the door to full-time ministry. And it was at that point that I was like, oh, I'm in ministry. Now God is making it clear. But you know what else happened? I was still over set up and tear down. Still over set up and tear down, y'all. 
And remember, I said that, that, that the place, the facility that we used, they were like Pharaoh. So they told us we couldn't use our, uh, we couldn't store our belongings behind the stage anymore. So they gave us like a week notice that we had to get everything out and we had to temporarily move to storage units. So we had to get three of the biggest storage units. And every Saturday morning, I had a group of guys that I would meet on rotation. They would meet me at the storage unit. We would load up a 26-foot Penske truck. And we would load it up, we would eat breakfast, and then I would drive it home. Sunday morning, I would wake up and drive the Penske truck to the campus to set up and tear down. But then the Lord gave us favor, and then we got a trailer, a 26-foot trailer, and we began to store all our stuff in the trailer. And then I would have to wake up at 5.30 and drive to our other campus, pick that up, just to be at the campus for 7 o'clock. But then after we set up the campus, if nobody showed up, guess who had to set it up? I did. So I would set up the campus, I would hurry up and change clothes, greet people, host the service, do everything I had to do. Right after service, I had to change clothes because everything had to go back in the trailer. And we did this for three years. And out of those three years, guess how many times I preached? Probably three. And people would ask me, oh, so you're a pastor? Oh, because usually when people hear you think you're a pastor, they say, oh, you preach. So they, they would always say, hey, I got to come to your church to hear you preach. And I would tell them, well, I don't preach. Well, well, what do you mean you don't preach? Then what do you do? I said, well, I counsel people. I meet in groups. I lead teams. I set up and tear down. <laughs> I do all these things. I do the work of the ministry. That's what I'm called to do. I was called to do the work of the ministry. God called me to do the work of the ministry. And guess what? He's called each and every one of you to do the work of of the ministry. That's what it means to be called, y'all. It means called to be do to do the work of the ministry. And I know people say that your gift will make room for you. Well, for me, in my case, because I was faithful to the local church for years, it was shown to the leadership that hey, there's a calling, a fivefold ministry where a full time ministry gift is on his life and tomorrow's life. We need to call them and pull them up full time so they could do this full time. And but the thing is, everybody's not called a full time ministry. But just because you're not called to full-time ministry doesn't mean that you're not called to the ministry. Everybody's called to the ministry. And you say, well, pastor, I don't believe that. Well, I do. Let's read in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. It says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your what? Calling. Calling. For you have been what? Called by God. What have you been called by God to do? To do the work of the ministry. Each and every one of you have been called to do the work of the ministry. And it all looks different. And I'm going to explain what all that means today. And just because I'm the pastor of this church now doesn't mean that the work stops. When I was back there at that church, you know what I learned to do when I was doing the work of the ministry? I learned how to set up a teardown. I also learned how to paint. I also learned how to back up a 26-foot trailer which I never would have thought I would learn how to do that, but I'm pretty good at backing up trailers now. I also learned how to stripe parking lots. Man, we painted so much, I felt like I could start my own painting company. I learned how to pressure wash, stripe parking lots. I learned how to do all those things. And the first Monday, when I, tomorrow and I became pastors here at New Life, the, literally the very first Monday that we got here in this building, you know what I did? I didn't prepare for a message. We cleaned up and started painting. What is that? The work of the ministry. And when I looked in the parking lot and I saw the parking lot needed striping, guess what I went out and I did? I striped the parking lot. 
the work of the ministry. It doesn't matter what it is. God has called each and every one of us to do the work of the ministry. And that has nothing to do with preaching. But so many people get it in their mind. I'm called, and they're just waiting for the opportunity to preach. I love this quote by T.D. Jakes. He says that people ask him all the time. They ask him all the time. It was like, how do you prepare to preach? Like, what? how do you study? And he says he always laughs because he was like, normally people only read their Bible and study when it's their turn to preach. He was like, I don't read and study my Bible to preach. He was like, I read and study my Bible to live. I needed to live, and out of my living, I preach. But so many people get it confused. They feel like, oh, I'm called by God, so I'm just waiting for my opportunity to preach. How many people have come to T.D. Jake's church or Jensen Franklin's church and just sitting around, I'm waiting for my opportunity to preach? I'm sorry, but they're two of the best communicators that ever lived. I don't think people are coming to hear you preach at their churches. But yet we have this thing in our mind that I'm called, so I, I need a microphone. I got to preach. I got to preach the word. No, no, no. We're all instructed to preach the gospel. It's just for some of us, it might, it's just for me, it just came with the job as, as the pastor that I preach. But if I wasn't preaching, guess what I would be doing? The work of the ministry, which we all are called to do. So this notion that we have that, that oh, I need a microphone, I, I need a platform, that, that's not true. That's not what being called means. What God has said, that scripture that we just read, therefore, I, a prisoner serving the Lord, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. That's not me making it up. That's the word of God. You all have been called. Say, I have been called. I have been called. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for today. We invite you into our hearts. Open up our eyes and our spiritual ears to hear and see something different today, Lord. Give us something to do. Give us a new perspective of what it means to be called. And I thank you for what you're going to do today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And again, just before I move it forward, all the notes from this will be on our app. You can download the New Life Church of Mobile app. You'll get all the notes there. You can take notes in the building as well. And also, this message will be on our podcast uh, on Spotify, or you can go to the app and listen to the message again. But I'm going to break down what it means to be called by God. Again, all of it, I want you to get this. Before you leave today, I want you to know that you are called by God. Say it again. I am called by God. You are called by God. And there are specific things that the devil will try to do to get you to feel like you're not called. He'll try to tell you, oh, you don't have gifts. Or you're not talented enough. You don't have enough influence. He'll try to do everything he can to try to convince you that you're not called. Or he'll do the opposite of that. He'll try to get you to feel like you're called to something that God didn't call you to. Some people get wrapped up and being feel like, I have to do this. But it's like, but did God call you to that? Or is that something that you just want to do to promote yourself? And we have to ask ourselves that question. When I'm being called by God, what does God want me to do? And I've told you my story. I wasn't saying it to brag about myself. All I was saying is this, is that I didn't know what to do, so I just started serving. And God made it abundantly clear what he called me to do because I just began to put my, I just put my faith into action. I just started doing the work. And when you begin to do the work, God will make it clear what your calling is because each and every one of us have gifts. And God uses our gifts to fulfill our calling. That's how we fulfill our calling is through the gifts that God's given you. So the first thing, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The first thing that God has called us to, and we're going to read this in Ephesians chapter, get my notes mixed up. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1. It says, therefore, 
I, a prisoner serving the Lord, beg you to leave a word worthy of your calling. You have been called by God. This is the first thing. You have been called to character. You have been called to character. Y'all write that down. Ministry doesn't mean anything if you don't have character. Character is the foundation of ministry. Character is the foundation of ministry. Now, you know when you build a house, we know that the foundation of a house is the most important thing. Because without a solid foundation, it doesn't matter how beautiful that house is, it's going to come crumbling down at one point or another. But when we build a house or you get in a new house, you want to know how many square feet is it? What are the countertops? Are they granite? Are they quartz? Are they marble countertops? What about the floors? Are there hardwood floors throughout? Is there a walk-in closet? What about a back porch? This is a back porch because I like to drink some tea on my back porch. And we think about decorating the house. Everybody thinks about all those things. Nobody thinks about the foundation of a house. That's usually the last, unless you have a house and you see some cracking or something, then that's where you realize how much a foundation is important. But when it comes to ministry, your character is just as that important. That's your foundation. Because everything that you build upon is built upon your character. And if your character is shot or if your character is, 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 skeptical, is skeptical, it's kind of hard to have a sustainable ministry when your character is out of order. But character is the foundation of your calling. You have no calling if you don't have character. You can't be called by God if your character is out of order. And God has called each and every one of us to character. And character, you know what it begins with? Character begins with humility. Character begins with humility. And I believe humility is broken up into two things. Humility, or I'm sorry, humility is broken up into two things. It's a teachable spirit and a servant's heart. Humility is a, teach, is a, is a, um, a teachable spirit and a servant's heart. A teachable spirit, this is your attitude. This is, I don't know it all, and I'm not stubborn when God is trying to show me something new that I'm open to receive it. But some of us, we get it in our minds, and I'm talking to myself, that, oh, I've been there before. I know what to do. And we begin to trust in ourselves more than God. And God is like, no, I'm trying to show you something new. I need you to be teachable, to have a, a teachable spirit and a right attitude. But when we get stubborn in our ways and stuck in our ways and I don't, mm-mm, that's not the way I was taught. Well, maybe God is trying to show you something new. Maybe your, God is trying to open up your heart to receive something new. But if you have a teachable spirit, guess what? You're in a position to always be used by God because God knows that your heart is open. And that David, the reason that God loved David so much because David was teachable. Did David mess up? Yes, he did. But he repented and he said, God, please don't take your spirit away from me. Please don't take your presence away from me. What was that? David was teachable. He knew that, man, God, I messed up, but teach me your ways. When you have a teachable heart, that's the beginning of humility. Also, it's a servant's heart. What is a servant heart is, this is what we do. We serve. I serve. The question is, am I willing to serve? All those things that I mentioned that I did, that doesn't sound glamorous at all. As a matter of fact, there was a lot of times during those moments, I was like, am I really called by God or should I be doing something else? But be careful when you say you call because God will say, okay, well, I want to test your character. I'm going to test your character to see if this is what you really want, if you can really handle what I'm trying to give you. But we're all called to character. We have to get our character in order so whatever God is trying to build and do inside of us, that it can sustain and it can be replicated from generation to generation. Amen? God has called us to character. The second thing God has called us to, we're going to read in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. If, and this is, the, we're going to spend the bulk of our time right here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Now, these are the gifts 
Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. The second thing is this, you are called to ministry. You are called to ministry. Remember, all of us are called to ministry. And you have a gift, and your primary gift, and your, your gift is your primary tool for your calling. You fulfill your calling through your gift. All the gifts that you have or God has equipped you for, for your calling. And today, those five things, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teacher, all of your gifts are going to be found in one of those five areas. I'm going to show it to you today. And before we leave today, you're going to know which area of the ministry that you're called to. Because it's going to, it's going to be so clear. That's my objective. I want to make it crystal clear where there's no confusion. We say, well, what do you mean by because I'm about to break it down for you right now. We're all called to ministry. Being called is not limited to a select group of people that do all the work and everyone else just sits and watch. God has called everyone. The five gifts that make up the full DNA of Jesus' ministry are those. There is no ministry gift outside of the five ministry gifts of Jesus. That's the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teacher. All five, Jesus, of all five ministry gifts, Jesus possessed those. Now, for us, we might have one or two of those ministry gifts. If you have all five, then you would be Jesus. So we don't have all five. <laughs> He's the only one that has all five. Now, there are going to be certain ones of these that I want to break down that you can identify. So as I go through all these, we're just going to go in order that they listed, starting with the apostles. And I'm going to read some characteristics. I'm going to tell you the, the who or the apostle, the apostolic, the what, and the why. And I'm going to explain. And I'm also going to give you some pitfalls of each one of these gifts. Amen? Y'all with me? All right. So let's talk about the first one. He gives us the apostles. This is the apostolic. So what is the apostolic? This is a person, and remember, we're talking about your gifts. All these things that I'm talking about in this, in this uh, point right now are about your gifts. So the apostolic, this is a person that has the gift of leadership. You're entrepreneurial. You're pioneering. You love to pioneer something new. That's the, that's the apostolic. It's the who. So who, who's the apostolic? These are business owners, your supervisors, department heads, C-level executives, your CEOs, CFOs, COOs, these are the apostolic gifts. These are the giftings that they have. And so, what, so what's the what about the apostolic? This is the what about the apostolic. They love to awaken people to their God-given potential. Can you identify with that? They love to awaken people to their God-given potential. If you're apostolic and you have that gift, you love encouraging people to reach their full potential in God so you can see them grow. If you're a business owner, you know that your business is there. It's not just for you, but it's to give other people an opportunity to grow as well. That's the apostolic. That's the gift of leadership. So some of you, you have a gift of leadership. This, this, you say, well, how, do I, how am I called to the ministry? Through leadership, through the apostolic. This is your vein. This is the, this is the, this is, uh, the apostolic person. Your business is there to give other people an opportunity, and you look out for people that are overlooked. One of the things you enjoy is looking for people that are overlooked. You know, that's one of the greatest joys as a pastor that I love is, is selecting people to do stuff that they feel like I've never had the opportunity to do that. No one ever looked at me that way. It's a great joy to reach out to someone and say, I think you'd be great at this. Me? Yes, you. That is a great joy of mine is to find out people, look for people that feel like they've been overlooked. Man, I feel like I want to do something. I just don't know what to do. 
Maybe that's you. You're the same way. At the workplace, you're always looking for people that are overlooked. Maybe in school, you always hung out with the people that nobody wants to be friends with. That's the apostolic. So that's the what. What's the why? The why that makes the apostolic go is they like action. Tell me what to do, and I'll make it happen. All you have to do is just tell me what to do. We're going to make it happen. I want you to do this. Say, say no more. I got it. I got you covered. The apostolic, they like action. The reason is you use your gift. The reason that you use your gift for God or all your gifts for God is because people with the apostolic gift, if they don't give it to God, then they use it for their own benefit and find more ways to make money and to promote themselves. So they use their gift to influence others to promote themselves. Or to promote their, and, and there's nothing wrong with promoting your business, but if you're uh, promoting your business as a way for you to make more money and not to help others, then guess what? You didn't surrender your gift to God. That's the downfall if you don't surrender your gifts to God. And all of these, I'm going to give you downfalls if you don't surrender your gift to God. So we can look at all the great business leaders of the world. They have the great gift of leadership, but are they, have they submitted their gift to God to allow Lord, the Lord to use them? The apostolic. So some of you, you might identify with you. Some of you are like, that's not me at all. That's okay. We have four more. The second one is the prophetic. It talks about the prophets. This is the prophetic. What does this mean? These are, these are uh, the, the gifts are you're sensitive, you're spiritual, and you're created. The who? These are intercessor, intercessors, worship leaders, bloggers, and the what? What do they want to do? They want to reveal God's heart to people everywhere they go. The prophet, a person in the prophetic, they just want to reveal God's heart to people everywhere that they go. That could be through the form of worship, where we just spent time worshiping today. That could just be through prayer. It could be through the written word. You write songs. We think about the book of, of, of Psalms. David wrote a whole book of poems to God. It could be through poetry. Whatever it is, it's like you use your, your gifts in a creative way to reveal God's heart to other people. That's the prophetic. That's, that's what it is. It's, it's the prophetic, the people that are flowing the prophetic, they love prayer. So on Wednesday nights, they're going to be in the house praying. Because anytime there's, a, there's an opportunity to be in the presence of God, they can't wait to get there. Because they're sensitive to God's spirit. The giftings. That gift is to, is not, and your gift, again, is not to make you look good. It's to reveal God's heart for other people. Now, the downfall to the prophetic is this, is that, is that it, if you don't give it to God, you can find yourself being more spiritual and looking down on other people. Did you see that angel over there? No, I did. There's angels all around us. Have you not been praying and seeking the Lord? Because I have. Thus says the Lord. And, you, and it's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What is this? You hadn't submitted that gift to the Lord. It's like we have to submit all of our gifts to the Lord. And one of the things, the, now the prophetic is out of all these, these is, this is the one that gets the worst rep. I believe the prophetic gets the worst rep because people feel like if you flow in that, you're weird, you're all these different things, and you, it, that, that's not the case. But don't only become weird when you don't submit it to the Lord. You only, it's only weird when you don't submit it to the Lord. And the one thing about worshipers or the prophetic, because they're worshipers, but it's this, is that you have to surrender that to the Lord. You have to surrender to the Lord because I'll give, I'll, get picture, I'll give you a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Tomorrow and I's intimate time, that's between us, right? That's not for everyone to see. So 
if, it's not, if that's for our benefit, our edification, not for the world to see. That's the same thing with the prophetic. Now, if I'm blessed with the prophetic, when it's time to, to operate a floor in that gift, it's to edify others, not myself. So how would it be if I was up here right now preaching and I just start getting slain in the spirit and moving all over the place? Y'all be looking at me like, what is he doing? Now, I'm being edified, but y'all looking at me like, what is going on? What is that? That means that I have to know that my gift is for others, not for myself. So when I'm flowing in my gift, I have to make sure that I'm flowing for others and not edifying myself. Now, I gave that example about tomorrow. Now, in my private time, I can get slain and do all I want to do. Because that's between me and God. But when I surrender my gift to God, my whole point is to reveal God's heart and to edify others. That's what I love about Minister Danette. She loves to reveal God's hearts to others through through worship. And I'm telling you, when you surrender that gift to God, you give it to him, your whole purpose is like, I'm not trying to bring attention to myself. What I'm trying to do is reveal God's heart for others. That's the prophetic. The why They love God's presence. That's what keeps them going. They love God's presence. They love to pray. They're always looking about, thinking about prayer. How can we pray? That's the prophetic. Third thing is it talks about the evangelist. This is, you're evangelistic. Evangelistic people are bold, vocal, and adventurous. So who makes up evangelists? Who would be, these are salesmen, social justice advocates, you know the people that are loud on social media that always have an opinion about everything? You know what they are? They're misguided evangelists. Yeah. They're, they're just misguided evangelists because they have, they have an opinion about everything. What are, what are, what are they they want to make Jesus' name known. That's all it is. is you seek justice. To, they're, they're storytellers. They want to make Jesus famous. That's what an evangelist is. I want to make Jesus famous. I'm going to talk about him. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to be vocal. I'm going to be adventurous. Whenever there's a social justice issue, I'm on the forefront. I'm on the front lines. You're evangelistic. Y'all see, am I helping y'all this morning? I'm breaking this down. Find your place in the ministry. This is how you find your place in the ministry. The why. What makes the evangelist go? It's the gospel. Everything is about the gospel. Like we have an outreach. That's right. We need an outreach, but we need to preach the gospel. If we're not having outreach preaching the gospel, what are we doing? We need to preach the It's all about the gospel. The evangelist, their why is the gospel. The evangelist will go out and speak and stand on or stand for others that feel like they have no voice. They stand out for the voiceless. Those that feel like that, I'm going to be vocal. I'm going to stand out for them. That's an evangelist. That might be some of you in here. The fourth thing, talk about the pastors. The pastoral, this is loving, caring, and relational. The who? Your counselors, uh, customer service, government representatives, uh, problem solvers. You love representing people. This is the pastoral. That's the who, the what. They love bring it to bring healing. They love to create family. People who have a pastoral gift love fun. Usually people with a pastoral gift, they love fun. They're the life of the party everywhere they go. Why? Because they love to build community. Because their why is people. All they care about is people. They, they like outreaches and they like prayer meetings, but they love people. I just want to be around people. I just want to build community. I want everywhere I go, I want people to feel welcome. That's the, you have a heart for people. You want everyone to feel welcome. You're pastoral. The fifth one and the final one is this, the, the, uh, the teacher. Teachers are curious. They're learners. They're truth-centered and they're knowledgeable. They love seeking truth. 
Don't, don't, if it was, uh, if it was 101 people there, don't tell me it was about 150. No, it was 101. I need you to give me correct information. They care about the truth. The what? They want to make the truth and knowledge to Jesus accessible to everyone. The teacher, they care about, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you and that the truth of the word is here for you. They want to teach the word of God and the truth. The devil has been lying to you. I want to tell you the truth in the word. They, that's, what, that's the teacher. Now, the danger with, the, with, the, with all these gifts that I'm talking about is this, is that you'll feel like everybody should have your gift. You'll feel like, well, well you'll feel like everybody should, have, you should, everybody should have your gift. So the apostolic, they're like, man, we need to get something. We need to get going. We need to move. And the, and the prophetic, they're like, no, nah, we just need to pray and have a prayer meeting and just sing songs to God. Then the evangelist is like, no, we need to take action. We need to go out there and move. And then, and then the, 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 uh, the pastor's like, but what about the people? When are we going to love on the people? And then the teacher's like, but what about the truth? The people need to hear the truth. And you can see how there could be so much division in the church because everybody feels like, well, we're not spending enough time on people. Well, we're not spending enough time in worship. But you will be so passionate about your gift that you feel like everybody should have your gift. But the great thing about the body is this, is that we don't have to have all the gifts. We just find our place and say, how does my gift fit within a local church? That's what I'm trying to get at today is like, you find your gift and you find a way. How do I use my gift to build the local church? Because all of us are what? Called to ministry. So now what I'm getting you to see is all of you have gifts. God has equipped all of you with gifts. And God has used you to use your gifts to fulfill your calling in the ministry. Amen. Amen. That's the second thing. We're all called to ministry. And this is the third and final thing. We're called to maturity. We're called to maturity. Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 13 and 15 this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Verse 14, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed or blown about every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Can I get a witness? Instead, we speak the truth in love, growing in the way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Grow in maturity. God has called us to maturity. And what that means is simply maturity means I'm growing like Christ. I'm, come, I'm becoming more and more like Christ. As I pursue Christ, I'm maturing in him, meaning that I'm looking more and more like him. You know, like when you're a baby, when you see babies and you see them grow up, when they get to a certain age, you say, boy, you look just like your mama. Oh, you look just like your daddy. What does that mean? As they're getting older, they're maturing into who they are, and they start to take the shape of their parents. That's the same thing what it is in Christ. As we mature in Christ, we should become more and more like him and less and less about our flesh and our, our flesh nature. He's called us to maturity. At some point, we have to move past of, well, I'm just coming to be fed, but I'm feeding others. Well, I'm just coming to receive, but I'm going to, to step out and I'm going to serve others. God has called all of us to maturity. Maturity also means that, it, maturity also means stability and consistency. When you grow in maturity, that means you're, st you're stable and you're consistent. That means that I know what I'm getting from you. That means that you, we, we don't see you one week and we don't see you for three months. What if you did it on your workplace? You wouldn't have a job. 
And I'm not looking at you like that, but what I'm saying is God has called us to maturity. He's called us to be consistent and stable. And the way you become uh, consistent and stable is you keep growing in the things of the Lord. Not only that, but you put them into practice. When you begin to apply the word and you put them to practice and you put your gifts to practice, I'm telling you, there's a maturity that comes upon you that you feel like, man, I've changed. I'm, I used to do this, but now those things don't even tempt me anymore. Those things don't even bother me anymore. Why? Because I'm maturing. I'm becoming more consistent and more stable. You know why people get frustrated with, the, with God and the local church? It's because they never mature. They never mature. They're always looking for someone to spoon feed them the word, and they never get in the word themselves. They never get in God's presence and pray and seek God for themselves. And then when things don't go their way, it's God's fault. It's the church fault because they should have known. Somebody should have reached out to me. They know I was walking through that. Well, yeah, we do when we hear for you. But when are you going to mature and grow up in the things of the Lord and overcome for yourself? Because God has called all of us to be overcomers. And he's called all of us to be in a level of maturity. He's called us to maturity, y'all. And when you begin to mature in the things of God, you know what you begin to do? You begin to say things like, what areas of the church can I, can I help? Because all of us are called, right? And we begin to say, I'm in a place of maturity. And maturity doesn't mean that you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you arrive. It just means that I'm becoming, I'm becoming more and more like Christ. I'm more stable. I'm more consistent. Now I'm in a position where I can say, now where can I be of use, God? I'm ready. And I just found my place. Where can I serve? Where can I help out? That's maturity. But if we don't become mature, we become, it says, immature like children. We're always looking for an, our next opportunity. And if we don't get that opportunity, we'll go and move somewhere else to find it. That's not maturity. <laughs> but you show yourself mature when you become consistent and stable. And God has called us to those three things. He's called us to character. He's called us to ministry. And he's called us to maturity. Amen. Amen. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. God has called all of us to ministry, y'all, because he loves his local church. He loves the church. That's how he operates. You know, the book of Acts, the New Testament church, they exploded so much because everybody knew that they were called to ministry. As soon as they became believers, they believed and they went out and they did the work, y'all. That's how the church exploded. The early church exploded because everybody realized, I'm called to ministry. I'm called to do this. But I want to give an invitation today. I want to know some of you may be in here, you watching online, or you may be listening to this next week, and we're talking about being called, but God is calling you to be in relationship with him. That is the highest calling right there, is to be in right relationship with God. Before you can do all of what we're talking about, you have to be called into right relationship with God. So I want to give an invitation for those of you in the building, those of you watching online or listening to the podcast later. I want everyone in the room just to bow their heads and close their eyes. This is a moment between you and God. I don't have to beat the drum. If you're away from God, you know you're away from God. But I want to give an invitation right now with no one looking around. This is between you and God to be called to him to be called into right relationship with him. You want to have that relationship with him. You want to be chosen by God. You want to be loved by God. You want to be forgiven. If that's you with no one looking around, I just want you to just to very reverently lift your hand. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to ask everyone just to do this. I want to ask everyone just to place their hand over their heart. 
and everyone just to repeat this after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for calling me yours. I thank you, Lord, that you washed me of all my sin. I thank you, Lord, that my past is forgiven and I have a future and a hope in you. I love you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I promise to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, y'all give a round of applause for those that made a decision to follow Christ. And if you're watching online and you made a decision to follow Christ, let us know by dropping a comment in the comment section that you made a decision. We'd love to reach out for you, reach out to you in, uh, throughout the week. And if you're in a building and the seat back in front of you, there's a card that says, uh, let's connect. But on the back of it, it says, I made a decision. Fill that out and drop it in the bucket during offering time because we love to hear from you as well. But come on, let's give it up one more time for those that made a decision to follow Christ. I am called. Say, I am called. So if you didn't know, now you know. You are called. Amen. Amen. Well, we love you guys. Again, happy 4th of July. We hope to see you guys this Wednesday. 6.30 will be our first Wednesday service for the month of July. So we'll have a worship experience just like Sunday. We'll have it this Wednesday, first Wednesday. Invite someone, bring a friend. we love to see you there. But also, uh, you can give. If you're prepared to give online, you can give through our app. Uh, you can download the app to give, or you can go to our website, newlifemobile.org. You can go there to our website, and you can give that way. Well, we love you guys. Hope you guys have a great rest of the 4th of July. Y'all have a great week. Amen. <laughs>